Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3, founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Kelly Evans to answer our medical questions. Dr. Evans' specialty is internal medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Evans. Good morning, Laura. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I understand we have a champion here with <laughs> us today. Tell us about your great tournament. Uh, so, yes, I, I have long been a competitive golfer. Yes. Much less so in, you know, the last decade and a half of my life. But um, my husband Brody and I played in the state husband-wife golf tournament, which was in Sioux Falls over the weekend and came away with the title this year. Congratulations. So we, we had a great day. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've competed in it a few times. Yeah. I, seven. Seven It was our times. seventh time. We've gotten, okay. we had gotten second four times. Oh gosh. <laughs> this is the first time we won. So we were really excited. You were really yeah. wanting that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. Let's yeah, see. Thanks. That was on Sunday, you said? It was both. Days, Saturday, oh, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, I can't remember. Did you have good weather? Was it not particularly? Okay. It was pretty windy on Sunday. So tricky conditions. Um, yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. It was it was fun. How do they set that tournament up? Do you each play the hole, the hole, or how is it? How it's, does that work? Uh, t- different formats on Saturday and Sunday, but oh. it's some version of you both tee off, and then you either choose Saturday, you choose one, and then alternate shots from there. Okay. Sunday, you both tee off. You hit each other's tee shots, and then you choose one and alternate from there. So it's kind of, it's a fun format. That is a fun format. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's really fun. And I wanted to say thank you for being a great example to all of us. That's that's great. Uh, Even though you have a demanding career and a lot of responsibilities you prioritize doing something you love and yeah and what a great bonus you get to do it with people you love yeah yep I it, saw it's your, a unique unique thing to be able to do something like that with your spouse so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I saw your I think your Facebook posts your girls were there yeah you on too yeah my folks brought the girls down to watch the last five holes or so okay. so they thought that was pretty neat yeah yep. absolutely <laughs> so last week we had therapist Christy Conalt on the show uh-huh. and she talked with us about tools for managing our stress and uh-huh. she shared just how important it is for us to do the things we enjoy and to right. get in some physical activity for our mental health uh, so I know you're a runner and a right. golfer and I was wondering if you would comment on how those things contribute to your physical and mental health yeah I mean you know I think you know this isn't unique to being a physician a lot of people have demanding jobs and careers and other mm-hmm. life responsibilities but certainly you know, we'll talk about medical training maybe a little bit later today. There are kind of periods of one's life where you don't have a lot of control over your time. You know, medical school and residency are great examples where it's really hard to find the time to do the your hobbies mm-hmm. or the things that you enjoy. Um, and so, yeah, trying to hang on to those things through that stage of your life and becoming a physician can be really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and trying to sort of mentor our young trainees on how to do that while still doing the things you need to do to become a physician. Mm-hmm. It can legitimately be challenging, but I I agree. You know, I think um, some of the challenge of being a physician in 2023 is 
it's a little bit, it looks a little bit different, right, from the physician of 30 or 40 years ago who, you know, a lot of those physicians, that was their life and sure. they were on call all the time and mm-hmm. they, that was kind of the expectation, right? A patient expected to be able to talk to the physician anytime. Uh, they expected to be seen when they needed to be seen and frankly, most humans in this day and age aren't like that's just not reality you know we're not kind of willing to sacrifice our entire life for our career my Mm -hmm. job's super important to me I Mm -hmm. love being a physician I I think it's really important the work that we do but I also know that to be able to do that for 30 plus years of my life I need to take care of myself right Mm -hmm. like there's it's really easy to burn out in this career for a lot of reasons Um, so to have those things that are not my job that I still like to do and kind of keep me recharged, it is really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great to have that long-term vision too. Like, yeah. like right now I feel like I have to do all these things, but to do all these things for 30 years, I need kind of a plan yeah. to keep this healthy and right. yeah. keep this balanced. Yeah. You so. got to sort of keep your own self well as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to go to our first break. I know we already have one question that's been called in today. Thank you. So we'll get to that after the break. And if anyone else has a question for Dr. Evans today, give us a call now at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Fourteen thirty. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. The grass is growing and that means it's time to mow. Please remember these safety measures to protect your health. Wear goggles, hearing protection, gloves, and long pants. Always wear sturdy closed-toed shoes while mowing the lawn. Do not drink alcohol or use other substances before or while using your lawnmower. Do not remove safety devices or guards on the mower and never insert hands or feet into the mower to remove grass or debris. Parents, teach these safety measures to your children. This safety tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. Dr. Evans, a question mm-hmm. for you. Is there a test to see if one has healthy kidneys? You know what? That's a simple question with a more complex answer than maybe everyone's looking for. That's my MO though, right? Yes. Um, So yes, that we do have ways to test kidney function. And so... um, there, there's a few ways, both in blood tests and somewhat in urine tests, that we can uh, see how the kidneys are functioning. None of them are perfect. I, I would say there's actually a fair bit of research and, and trying to develop a little bit better, more precise kidney tests. But the most common thing we would use would be a blood test called the creatinine. So this is a pr- this would be done pretty commonly. Like if you're getting your electrolytes checked, the creatinine is probably part of that same panel. So, you know, if, if listeners at home are sitting there looking at their online uh, lab results, you, you'd see a serum creatinine. So the creatinine is something that we we all have to some degree flowing through our bloodstream. It's kind of a natural byproduct of various processes. And it is 
a chemical that's eliminated by the kidneys normally. Mm. Okay. So what we see is if, if kidneys are not functioning well, that serum creatinine will go up. It will increase. Um, so along with the creatinine, if you're looking at your blood panel results, you will also see something called a GFR, glomerular filtration rate. And so that's actually how we estimate kidney function. That means how much blood is getting filtered through those kidneys per minute, per hour, whatever. Um, the, the problem with the creatinine is, is just an imperfect measurement. So, um, when, when you, the, the creatinine is what's directly measured in that blood test. The GFR is a calculation. And mm-hmm. so the calculation basically gives us an estimate of the GFR. And so that takes into account both that measured serum creatinine, but also age, a measurement of body weight, gender, those kind of things. To and and so that's why it's imperfect is sure. because not every, you know, not every forty-year-old female is the same, right? Forty-year-old right. body makeup might be different, and and creatinine is naturally going to be higher if you have a lot more muscle mass compared to if you have a really low muscle mass, which we sure. sometimes see in our elderly patients. So those are imperfect measurements, but it's kind of the best that we have as far as something that's widespread use right now. So that's how we usually um, measure kidney man, um, measure kidney function is with that blood test. Now there are other ways that we look at kidney function, and they have to do with things in the urine. Mm-hmm. So if someone either already has kidney dysfunction, kidney disease, or for example, in patients who have diabetes that we want to monitor for early signs of kidney dysfunction, we also look at urine tests, and particularly we look for spillage of protein in the urine. The kidney, how the kidneys work is basically it's sort of this, you know, I I said the word filter and it's kind of like that. So it's it's sort of this, these um, blood vessels go in, it's kind of a filtration process. And if the filter gets leaky, we start to see proteins in the urine. And so we test for that. And sometimes you'll see protein in the urine as an early sign of kidney disease, even before those blood markers are abnormal. And so that's why if you have diabetes, you are asked to provide a urine sample every year because we're mm-hmm. looking for signs of spillage of protein into the urine, which would be something that we would monitor a little bit more carefully. Okay. So those are examples. I think in 10 or 20 years, we might actually have better ways to measure kidney function more directly as opposed to doing those sort of estimates and calculations. But we're not there yet. What are some signs that we might experience if our mm-hmm. kidneys are unhealthy, but we haven't had any red flags prior? Or we don't have diabetes. Yeah, Would we so notice anything? Typically not. Most okay. people, at least with in, until you have more severe kidney dysfunction, are not going to have symptoms, which is why the right people should have those things measured on a, on a you know, maybe annual basis. So people with diabetes and hypertension would be the most common risk factors for kidney disease. Um, so there are more uncommon kidney diseases that can manifest in other ways though so that would be things like um you know if you're having foam in your urine or like a lot of bubbles in your urine that can be a sign of high amounts of protein in the urine Mm. or if you start getting a lot of swelling in your legs or around your eyes that can be a sign that you're losing protein in the urine so there are other sort of more systemic signs of more rapidly progressive kidney disease um, but that would require more like like I said blood and urine testing to actually get to the diagnosis okay mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about if if someone has kidney disease mm-hmm. what what do we do 
Yeah. So there, we kind of stage kidney disease. So you'll, if, if you're someone who has kidney disease, you might see in your medical chart that it says chronic kidney disease stage one, two, three, four, whatever. Okay. Five being needing dialysis. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's kind of that gradation and that's based off of that glomerular filtration rate. Um, and, and as it decreases, you advance in stage. Um, so sometimes a, a lot of things that go along with that are really what we're trying to do is manage risk factors and trying not to let the kidney kidney disease get worse. I have Mm -hmm. a lot of patients who live with stage two and three kidney disease for much of their lives and will never have progression toward dialysis or anything worse than that. But we have to manage their blood pressure, their diabetes, those risk factors for making their kidney disease worse. Um, So that's sort of important aspect number one. Mm -hmm. If you get more advanced kidney disease, you might get counseled on some dietary restrictions um, about certain minerals that we that don't get eliminated well if your kidneys aren't functioning well. And certainly a lower salt diet is better for most of those people because, again, they will retain more fluid if they intake too much sodium. But it depends a little bit on the reason for the kidney disease and any other sort of health factors that that patient might have. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we can do in general to try to keep our kidneys at their best? Yeah. Again, you know, because things like diabetes and hypertension are the biggest risk factors for kidney disease, it's sort of taking care of yourself in all those ways that we talk about, you know, most weeks, which is, you know, trying to maintain a healthy amount of exercise and diet, but also seeing your your primary care provider annually to to get appropriate screening, make sure you don't have undiagnosed high blood pressure or undiagnosed diabetes that kind of runs without being checked for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I hear things like drink plenty of water to mm-hmm. flush out things. Out. Is that just some late you know, people I, thing? I think <laughs> I think the drinking plenty of water, some of the wellness stuff that you see online about drinking kind of obscene amounts of water, it yes. probably is not real evidence-based. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, if people have, depending on the type of kidney disease, sometimes we, we tell them to drink less water because Uh-oh. the more water you drink, the more you'll retain in, in your mm. legs and elsewhere. Okay. Um, so I don't think, I think across the the board my advice to most people is like drink when you're thirsty make sure you're drinking plenty when you're out in the heat sure. um, but you know most people don't need to be drinking whatever two gallons of water a day sure. I think that's that's probably not actually a normal amount of water intake for most of us right yeah all right sounds <laughs> good well thank you for that question about kidneys and we're gonna yeah. go to our next break if anyone else has a question they'd like Dr. Evans to address this morning give us a call at 605-692-4430 We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Attention drivers, there are many bikers on the road. Please remember these rules. Share the road. Bicyclists have the same rights to the road as motor vehicles do. It is the law to allow three feet between your car and the bicyclist. Give bicyclists space on the road. When turning right, look right before proceeding. Always check the sidewalks as well as the traffic lanes when merging or turning. Slow down and watch for pedestrians and bicyclists. The Avera Medical Group Brookings encourages drivers as well as bikers to help prevent accidents. 
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. We're in our summer season of Prairie Doc Television, which is a time we kind of revisit some of the programs we did earlier during the year. And this week's television program that will be our encore episode is the show about the journey to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a great show for anyone who wants to learn more about that. Maybe you have a family member going through med school Mm -hmm. or someone thinking about it, or you're just kind of curious, what what do these doctors do to to get to this point? And how does our state invest in making doctors Mm -hmm. through University of South Dakota and all of that? It's a it's a great show. If anyone's um, missed it and is interested, I'd I'd encourage you to check it out um, tomorrow night on SDPB television. Dr. Evans, I know you love medical students. I You're do. involved I with love medical, medical students. Medical trainees, yes. Yeah. So if we show up at an appointment mm-hmm. and the nurse says, "Hey, uh, Dr. So and So has a medical student mm-hmm. with her." Um, who are these medical students? Yeah. Where are they at in their training? What are they doing yeah, hanging out with question. the doctors? So I would, I would say if you're in a place like Brookings or one of our towns in South Dakota, most medical, if you're, if you're seeing a medical student, these would be students mostly in their third and fourth years of medical school. Mm-hmm. So these are students who have, you know, completed an undergraduate degree. Most of them are extremely accomplished young people. I mean, you wouldn't believe how amazing these people are. Yeah. Um, and they've kind of done a lot, a big load in the classroom the first couple of years of medical school, and now we're doing their clinical training, which is a part of every medical education system. Um, and then the the sort of next step after that, if they, they graduate medical school after four years and then go on to residency training, which is a separate thing entirely. But most, like in our community, we do host quite a few students in our mm-hmm. clinic. Um, so those are mostly third and fourth year medical students. All right. Yeah. And they're kind of rotating around getting different experiences mm-hmm. at that point right so most of them are getting sort a, a core clinical education in the different medical specialties so they will do time in family medicine internal medicine surgery OBGYN, psychiatry neurology pediatrics mm-hmm. so all of those sort of core clerkships especially in the third year and then the fourth year they can kind of tailor to their future goals a little bit more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if our regular physician says, hey, I have this medical student with me. Are you okay with them doing blah, blah, blah? Mm-hmm. Um, what what should we consider as a patient if we want to say, sure, or if we want to say, yeah. uh, no, thank you? Right, right. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, first of all, it ultimately is your choice. So that, sure. uh, you know, a patient should should always feel like they, they have choice in the matter. I feel like at this point, I have students around enough that I have very few patients who decline to have a medical student. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them are fairly comfortable with it and hopefully have had good experiences. From my standpoint, I think having a trainee at any place in in your medical care, involved in your care, is a good thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in our from my view, I see it in the clinical setting. But of course, as a trainee, this this is true in a lot of hospitals across the country. Um, honestly, less so here. But if you're at a big academic institution somewhere in the country, you're going to be cared for by trainees pretty much across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I did residency at University of Colorado. There aren't really very many teams rotating around the hospital that don't consist of residents and students and all that. 
So it, it depends a little bit where you're at. There's some hospitals that don't have any trainees there. Mm-hmm. Um, from my perspective, I think, honestly, you're going to probably get a more thorough assessment the more trainees you have involved in your care. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get sort of a different bit of attention from me, the physician. So I, I find that a lot of times if we're if I if I have a student in clinic they would see the patient first get the history um, report back to me and then we go in together and so you know I I'm always looking for ways to teach my student so that means I might be thinking creatively about something to that's pertinent to your care that we talk about that we might not talk about when we're kind of just sort of going through the typical Mm -hmm. day-to-day being being efficient in clinic Um, and so I, I think there's a lot to be gained honestly as a patient um so again like ultimately you do have the choice when you're in a clinic like ours um but i don't know our students do a great job they're so thorough um and we really appreciate patients being willing to be a part of their training i mean Mm -hmm. we always tell our students like i'm kind of your teacher but really these patients are your teachers right Mm -hmm. that's who you're learning directly from so Mm -hmm. i think it's a great opportunity as a patient (laughs) yeah so we're in the summer months now Mm -hmm. uh for most academic programs, we're kind of in a break or a transition time. What does that look like for med students? What um, Are they wrapping up? I don't even know. Is med- medical school graduation still in May? I don't even know. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. so our graduates graduated in early May, same okay. time as kind of other university mm-hmm. graduations. And um, what that means, again, this isn't something people are going to see in Brookings, but you might if you're in the hospital in Sioux Falls, and you certainly will if you're at a big academic center, is sort of July 1st is the classic time that our new trainees start. So our brand new interns who have just graduated medical school are starting their residency, which, you know, if you have a loved one that's entering that part of their time, you know, be be good to them because it is a hard time in training and it's it's just a it's a fountain of you know of information coming at you all the time i i remember hearing a lot of jokes like oh gosh you don't want to be in the hospital on july 1st but like again honestly these these trainees are going to be as thorough as they will ever be and you will get great care if you're in the hospital in july i i firmly believe that you know because not only do you have really gung-ho young people ready to finally be a doctor mm-hmm. and, and do what they need to do, you also have this whole hierarchy of attendings and other supervisors knowing that they need extra help. And so mm-hmm. you're going to get you're going to get a lot of people looking in on your care this time of year in an academic setting. Yeah. yeah. What do you remember about your inter- intern year, Dr. Evans? Oh, my gosh. So you graduated what, from USD. USD, And yep. you headed to Colorado? Yep. We Kay. moved to Denver, Colorado. Um it is just, it's a really wild time. I mean, you went through it with Andrew. I'm sure yeah. you remember some stuff from that year too. Um, you just, it's its a its a hard transition. Mm-hmm. And you're excited, of course. You're excited to take care of patients and really be out there doing what, what you're meant to do. But you're working a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. It's stressful because mm-hmm. you do feel that responsibility. You feel a lot of responsibility all of a sudden. Um, and there's so much to learn. I mean, you go to four years of medical school and you think you've learned a lot, but you haven't. Like internship is probably the st- steepest learning curve right. of all of training, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And getting to know a new hospital system, yes. new co-workers, all the logistics of all the of electronic that. medical yep. record. Yep. And it's a lot. It's challenging. Um, but I mean, honestly, I look back on those times pretty fondly because yeah. it, you do you just grow a lot. 
Um, Aunt Andrew did residency yeah. at um, Boise, mm-hmm. uh, family medicine residency. And uh, I don't know if that, I'm, I'm assuming that experience isn't unique, but it felt really much like a team, mm-hmm. like all the residents and the faculty. Um, so yes, it was a, it was a big transition, mm-hmm. but it was really um, beautiful to be part of that team, right. trying to make these great doctors yeah. and encouraging each other and teaching each other and mm-hmm. to see how the older residents teach the younger residents and then the faculty that are involved and yeah. um, just this whole team process to help turn out good doctors. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's quite it's quite an ordeal to, to make a physician. And you're right, it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of mm-hmm faculty at all levels and other trainees that are, you know, in other in other levels of training. So it is it is neat. And I mean, you you probably I'm, I'm sure you guys are still probably friends with some of the people right. that you went through that with because yeah. it's such a formative time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. We we threw in the fun of having a baby one mm. month into the intern year. Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we moved to Idaho and then about and Andrew started his intern year mm-hmm. um, of residency. And then we had little Eli. And um, yeah, I remember uh, Eli was a was a pretty good baby, but he was still a baby. And um, <laughs> I remember one day just being at home alone, crying, calling Andrew like, I need help. He's like, I can't help you. Right. <laughs> like, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So also, if you have one of these people in your life, like support their spouses or significant yes. others because they need support too. Because right. you're, you're in the thick of it. And, right. and the trainee is not there very much of the time. So Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, but we all learned a lot. And uh um, we, I think Andrew kind of used our little baby as his own learning experience too uh, during his intern years and figuring out what it's like to care for a newborn yeah, and I a mean, growing baby. Counseling p- new parents is right. a lot different when you've been through it once on your own, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Okay, so all those interns, we're thinking of you as you are making yes, these transitions. Yes, good luck interns. Moving, settling into your new yep. apartments and houses and uh, getting getting going. So mm-hmm. yeah, good luck yep. to all those interns. Yeah, they'll do great. Excellent. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We thank you for listening to our radio program this morning, and we will return following this informative message from Avera Medical Group. Be aware, with warmer weather, you may find ticks. Ticks live in grassy, bushy, or wooded areas. Spending time outside walking your dog, camping, gardening, or hunting can bring you in close contact with ticks. To prevent ticks from attaching, treat your clothes and gear with products containing 0.5% permethrin. Permethrin can be used to treat boots, clothing, and camping gear and remains protective through several washings. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Thanks for being here this morning, Dr. Evans. We've been having fun talking about medical students and this transition that they many of them are mm-hmm. in that they just graduated. Yeah. We had um, how many USD graduates this year? Do you uh, know? It's typically around 70. I don't know what the final number was okay. this year, but yep. right, some, somewhere around that number. So mm-hmm. around 70 medical students graduating, going off to their residencies, which mm-hmm. are often 
Um, a minimum of three years, right? right? Um, but sometimes longer. Yeah, depending on the specialty. Okay. Um, some sur- surgical specialties might even be as long as six or seven years. So Yeah. Yep. And then, of course, we probably have a new group of medical students that right. will get started. When do they begin? I think they start later in July. Okay. Um, yep. So, th- so the new cohort of medical students starts kind of in that more typical academic year. Um, and then it, it deviates a little bit within the medical school, just how the curriculum goes it's not totally consistent with a college academic year per se but sure they they start around that time as well right mm-hmm. so um yeah whole new group of yeah. medical students here and in I South think Dakota. you know one thing that is so unique about our medical school is the rural training that our students mm-hmm. get you know a lot of medical schools are based at big academic centers and ours is a little bit more widespread community. So our, our students get education across the state. You know, some people get a bulk of their education at, in a clinical setting, at least in Rapid City. We have these farm students who they probably talk about that on the program a little bit because mm-hmm. one of the guests was is a farm faculty from Millbank who go to much smaller communities around the state and get their core curriculum there. So it's really unique and very much centered around providing education for future physicians who will be capable of practicing in a rural setting, which has its own challenges. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is great to get those experiences. I know, as we were mentioning earlier for Andrew, we were in Idaho Mm -hmm. um, with his residency. We would uh, spend a month in rural Idaho getting a really great experience, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're just um, out in the mountains, yeah. far away. It's a little different when you don't have, you know, hundreds of other physicians you can call on right. to help you out when you encounter a problem that you're not sure what to do about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So great to have all those rural opportunities, mm-hmm. both in the med school and then in those residency levels yeah. as well. And the other part of that is we just have such great physician faculty across the state who are willing to take our students. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their their full-time job is not doing academic medicine. They're, these are full-time physicians, but they take their students under their wing and really teach them what it's like to be a physician in South Dakota. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This week on Thursday, June 29th, we have an encore episode, A Journey to Become a Doctor. Prairie Doc guest host, Provost Dennis Hedge, is joined by Dr. Tim Ridgway, Dean of the University of South Dakota Sanford Medical School, and Dr. Nancy Van Persum from Avera Medical Group Millbank and the Farm Physician Coordinator for the Millbank Farm Site. So tune in tomorrow night on SDPB Television to learn all about the journey to become a doctor. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Kelly Evans for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.